Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. So before we get started, thanks to everybody who's been listening to the podcast. If you haven't checked the feed lately, um, I put out another Manga Minute because I got to what I thought at the time was, um, which was literally yesterday. So what I thought yesterday was, at the time of recording this, the last available volume of Plus Size Elf. And I was like, I really need to write about this. It is consistently made me laugh in a way that manga lots of times isn't capable of just because the timing is is so in your control that you need to be able to stretch a joke out long enough where it becomes like a puzzle and if you want to get to the end of that puzzle you have to read like a whole freaking you have to skip a whole freaking chapter to the end you can't just satisfy yourself with moving to the next panel faster. Um, but I really like that manga, and there's a manga minute out about it now, so it'll literally take you... The whole thing is two minutes, but my explanation is literally a minute. Um, so go check that out. It's um, a bonus in the feed. Um, but I want to talk about something... I want to talk about something that Bill Maher just... Um, convinced me to talk about. Um, because sometimes I'm up at three in the morning watching fucking Bill Maher because I'm 30 now and that's my life. <laughs> or I'm in my 30s now and that's what just fucking happens sometimes. Um, but, so I read this, a, a, a family member, actually my mom, sent me a article in the New York Times that you might have seen and... It's a really interesting, really well-researched, really well-interviewed article about animator wages in Japan. To give you an idea, this a standard and the kind of like standard pay for an animator in the United States is somewhere like seventy-five thousand a year. Um, the Standard weight, this which nets out to more than two grand a year, which nets out to more than about more than about two grand a month. The standard wage for an animator in Japan is way, 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 way less. It's some animators can make as little as two hundred dollars a month. If you're a teenager and you're like, oh, that sounds like a lot of money, it's not. And if you're a teenager in 2021, it probably doesn't sound like a lot of money, which you're right, it isn't. Animators are... These animators are creating the one of the prime exports of culture of Japan, and they are being paid like dog shit. And they... If you look at something like Shirobako... They very quick, they like super, they, they don't even, that's one of the financial things about animation that they don't even touch on. Because like they, having that conversation would be, have, would necessitate like ha, the studio, I think it's JC staff, having that conversation with itself internally also. And just, 
the, the results aren't good. One of the things that um, ended up that was most tragic about um, the Kiyohani fire was that Kiyohani did everything it could in order to pay its animators a real livable wage in order to own all the IP that they create. If you look at Kiyohani's body of work, I can't think of anything that's not a... It's not an original concept from... It's not a wholly original media media IP from them. They don't do things like... Um, and even Studio Ghibli did this. Um, Goro Miyazaki did... Um, just did an adaptation of Earwig and the Witch, which is um, middling, is what, I, is what I would call it. Kind of what I called it in my review, which you can go listen to in the feed of whatever on whatever podcast app you're using right now. But one of the things that often happens with anime articles in mainstream media is it's not about you you or I as the seasoned otaku or even an otaku has who is like at that two-year threshold, I've talked about this before. Most anime fans in America are fan are hardcore fans for about two years, and then they migrate into something different, or th- it's like their fandom changes in a way where they're not as um, aggressively watching anime. That's why you know Shonen is so popular and. All the rest, because lots of it is, you know, 14 to 16-year-old high school students who are there for the hype, and that's kind of, that's kind of it. Um, that's not the only kind of fan there is, believe me. It's part of the reason why I started this podcast was because I wanted people to be aware that there are a lot of anime fans who have been in it for decades at this point and um that and that just that amount of time of us watching and consuming the medium is valuable but the thing is is that and the, the way the way I came the way I came to think about this and approach this is um I'm gonna going to show my political colors here and if you're surprised by this you have not listened to the rest of the show so I'm sorry um, but Bill Maher had um, Megan Kelly on on Friday to talk about the kind of reverse racism that is happening in school systems and or as she sees it and once again Take Megan Kelly with a giant piece of, like a boulder sized piece of rock salt. Because <laughs> she's Megan Kelly and fuck. Fox News, the whole nine. But she would try and talk about the kinds of worksheets that schools are giving young kids. And they showed one of them. And it was kind of. It was ridiculous. I will pass up to saying, like. Giving a giving a um you know young 
grade school, giving a young, like even giving a middle school kid a a worksheet that says rate yourself on a scale of white supremacist to white abolitionist with all these like stops in between is insane. Like no one, nobody who is born, who is stuck in the race of their birth, meaning that like they, you, you don't have a choice what race you're born as. It just happens. Should necessarily have to be that have to be presented with that hard line of a thing with that much of an adult of a thing. Once you hit your twenties, you, or once you're in college, you game. You're like a function. You're like a f- almost functioning human at times. You know what you say and what you do in the world is has a real effect on it. But when you're in like, you know, kindergarten, middle, kindergarten, grade school, middle school, high school, high school is probably where, (laughs) is where you could release that and like, you'd, you'd catch some fucking Nazis. (laughs) But before that, it, it's masking a real problem. And what I've, Ended up thinking about was the New York Times article about anime, um, about anime industry um, salaries. Is that writing another article about it? Writing, you know, telling people about it is a good thing, but it's also it's the table stakes at this point. What needs to happen? is a kind of, like, industry-level reckoning with animator, um, with animator pay and the real value of what they're, of what they're providing. Because what, if you've been, if you've watched anime for long enough, what you know that, what you know they're doing is they're creating work, they're creating artistic work, they're creating artistic work for the purposes of entertainment in a medium that, allows them to do some of the wildest shit out there. Just some of the wildest shit out there. I mean, and that's before you even qualify as good or bad. Like, you go watch um, Netflix just dropped um, the entire first season of um, the, um, of um, High Rise Assault. And it's, I haven't even watched. I haven't even watched or seen, meaning on TikTok, um, <laughs> clips on TikTok enough of it to be like, this is good. But I've seen enough of it to be like, this is fucking wild. This deserves like a. This deserves to be in the, in just like the general catalog of stuff out there because it's. Banana Foster's crazy, and an inter- and an interesting approach to the concept. Um, there's um that, but alongside it, like uh, probably five um posters down from it in the Netflix queue is um that 
Rohan JoJo spinoff, which, which is also wild. And then you stop, and then you stop and think about the animators who made that stuff. What were they paid? What what did they agree? What work condition did they agree to? What, probably um. And we we get we get one every couple, every probably every couple of years at this point, an anime that focuses on making anime, and the um the guys over at AWO said said it kind of best. They've been like, when Otaku no Video came out, we all thought this is the real shit. This is like this is what. This is how it really happened. And then Genshiken came out and they're like, no, this is the real shit. But so much of anime, of the anime about making anime is governed by not the animators, but the companies. So in both cases, what I end up thinking about is, like, if you want to fix the problem of white supremacy... What you really need to do is you need to not give, you know, eight, eight to eight to 14 year olds worksheets about white supremacy. You can do that once they hit a certain age, like once they're in high school, they should probably start, you, they should probably be presented with the concept and be presented with the way the world doesn't with the way the world is not equivalent to everyone not equal equivalent there's a difference equality means everybody gets the same thing equivalency means that allowances are made for things like race you know they call it caste in India but like Class, you know, whether or not, like, say, for example, people would say that if you're born in one place, in one place in America and another place in America, you can do the same thing. But that's a lot harder if the place you're born is a food desert and the only thing around you to eat is like McDonald's. Whereas if you're born in another place, at the same income level, I want to say, like, meaning not a super wealthy person, but if you're born in another place, you've got a, you've got a um, shop right, grocery store or a Kroger's or a, like a mid-priced normal grocery store. I'm not talking Whole Foods that you can go and shop at every week. And you can have a balanced diet, and that's not in your way. But the big problem now is, is that we've hit the point where the building blocks people are working with need to change. So people don't need to, so the, so like general civilians don't need to make the choice of like, well, we can't reorder textbooks. We, we can't change the tech. Like, we're not in charge of the textbook, so the best we can do is go as hard as we can in a way that's outside of the textbook to reteach the results of the, the 
causes and consequences of slavery. And in that same way, animator, like when we're talking about animator salaries, the best we can do is make is make someone who isn't aware that like the people who made um made something that is so clearly going to be full of memes and insanity and be pretty popular like high rise assault were paid you know two hundred dollars a month le- less than it costs you to buy groceries some week a month some weeks in in some places a month, but we as like consumers and as critics can't change that it can only be changed to source and that's what, like i said that's why um the um and there's so, and there's some people trying to put band-aids on it like the the animated dormitory project which um seeks to provide animators with an affordable place to live there's all kinds of initiatives but that doesn't fix the problem that you know when an animator at say Namco Bandai at, at say Bandai Entertainment is given a project at this point, their salary probably isn't public anymore because no, like, the the studios aren't dumb. They don't want to put themselves in harm's way. But the table stakes should be okay. If I'm working on this, if I'm going to be a key animator on this project, or if I'm going to be an in between animator on this project, I should be able to make this much. Period. End. Like. It should be within. It should be in my employer's interest to pay me enough to be able to fucking eat, or be able to afford rent on something that's not. I sleep standing up in a broom closet. Um, and it, but that has to happen at like such a base level, at such a. So in compute. So in computer science they call they they call the base level of programming and hardware the metal so like the closer to the metal you are and they also call being close to the metal being further down the stack so the closer the metal you are the further down the stack you are the more you can change about a machine or or the programming of that machine and with a lot of problems like, you know, animator salary in Japan, r- racial understanding in everywhere, you need to get to the building blocks. You need to get to the metal of whatever that issue is, and you need to start making that shift there. But I had to guess, based on the way that um, a studio like KyoAnnie looks, I would bet that KyoAnnie took, a, like, animated of KyoAnnie, and I would imagine this is true of Trigger, too, took a look around the industry and took a look at themselves as industry players and said, how do we build not that? How do we build a studio that is 
totally professionalized, totally capable of delivering what everybody else is delivering, but does it in a way where, you know, the creative, the professional creatives that we're employing are paid livable wages, are, and we can keep paying them livable wages because a lot of what is happening in the anime industry most likely is these companies are maximizing their are maximizing their profit at the cost of their workers and to give away and each time they chip off of that they make less profit but what you also need to remember is most anime is not a, is not truly original content most anime is an anime adaptation of a original work in the form of manga or light novels or any or video games um or <laughs> card games and so the result is they they're paying a base price just to get access to the property. They are licensing a property to create um a to to interpret into an anime. This is this was um this was was the thing with um Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. There are certain parts of that game that you look at and you're like, this is fucking weird. Why'd they do this? And then like you I said, like, yeah, there's too many ads about sex in this game. It is, like, horny without... It, it is horny in the way that, like, it had never acted... Like, it's, like, horny like a teenager who had never actually been really horny before. And my friend Lauren from the Uncanny Curse podcast, well, podcast about X-Men, in one of our um, uh, preambles that I always cut out as bonus material for the Patreon, just said, oh, no, that's part of the card game. Like, that, that's written into the, um, the, table, the tabletop RPG. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, because it, that means that somebody thought through it all the way, and this is just not the best impl- implementation or an implementation without real understanding and explanation on behalf of the publisher and the ultimate player, a.k.a. me. And so they, like, there's a lot of constraints from most animation studios, and if you look at some of the newer ones, they've usually designed as a business in opposition to the old guard. Studio Trigger is a offshoot of Studio Gynax. And if you look at Studio Gynax now, and that's also true of Studio Kara, um, um, Hideki Anno's studio, which is solely design, designed to make sure that he doesn't kill himself in the middle of making an Ava thing. Because <laughs> that show is apparently very destructive mentally for him to work on. Um... But those two studios are designed specifically not to end up at the point at which they're a weird fucking shell company nightmare. 
hatchet job the way Didu Gainax had, end, had ended up being. And but the thing is, like back in back in the day, Gainax was creating these cool ass things. Gainax is uh, what Otaku no Video is about creating, and the result is it's become this like money grubbing weird group of old men trying to like pump Ava for money every chance they get. It's very strange. Then you look at Studio Kara, which is using the big thing it has, which is Ava, because Hidekiano is the creator of Ava, and completely recontextualizing it and changing it so the story fits exactly what he wants it to be in the form of the Ava rebuild movies. And then you look at Studio Trigger, which is about taking the modern otaku style and culture and, like, constantly distilling it and constantly focusing it in a way, in a really defined, specific style that produces shows like Kill a Kill, Little Witch Academia, um, Brand New Animal, and... All of those are, like, really trigger-style shows, but all of those shows are pretty fucking different. (laughs) And you turn around and you look at the old old guard, and they're, they're, they're making the, like, big, complicated adaptation of a... of a existing property... And they're big and beautiful and interesting, but you never hear anything out of the artists lots of times for those shows until after the fact. And that's probably so they can have a chance to edit the interviews and like clean it up and not be quite as messy, whereas a studio like um, Trigger... It's okay with being a messy bitch that you come to for awesome, which is great. Um, and I'm not even a Trigger super fan, to be clear. Although I do donate to the Patreon. Full disclaimer, I guess. Um, but the... And then you get a studio like um, KyoAni, which is like, you never hear anything out of them, but they very quietly have a merchandise shop that does very well. And that allowed them to make a kind of immediate money. I've talked about this before. After they, ha- after they had that tragic event of a fire. And it's a- it allowed them a level of financial independence that most studios don't have because they give the merchandising deals off to a toy maker or something like that. And... Kyo Annie is seeking a kind of self-sufficiency that makes it possible for them to continue to be sustainable, sustainable in a way that like two hundred dollars for a um to employ an animator really isn't. Um, and that it's just like I said at the beginning of this, we really need to. 
stop asking yourself, stop saying to yourself, like, oh, they really should pay animators more, and maybe I should boycott this studio because they pay their animators like shit. Because it's too much of the industry <laughs> to boycott it. And most, most anime fans, um, what they would probably do is not boycott the show, but they would pirate the show. Which means the show's still getting watched. Which means the numbers are still there. And I've talked about that before. They're not actionable, but the numbers are still there. And you're not hurting the people you think you're hurting. What people need to do is they need to be asking for a kind of table stakes at a, at a base level, at, as close to the metal as possible of, okay, great, you want to make this adaptation. I'm really excited. How much are you, the studio, making it going to be paying your in-between artists? How much are you going to be paying your sound editors? How much are you going to be paying your, um, what's it called? Your, um, your, sorry, it's giving my mind. Your CG artist, how much are you going to be paying your key animator? How much are you going to be paying your background artists. If that doesn't meet a certain number, I'm not... It needs to be said loud and clear, like, meet that number, we're good. Don't meet that number, miss me with that horse shit. Just miss me with that horse shit. I'll go read the manga, support the mangaka. Mangakas have their own specific problem of overwork and the schedule set by a insane human being um, in like the f- 50s and 60s should not be the norm. They should be able to, you know, go on family vacations, take take a week off, and be fine, not be weird fucking illustration slaves. That's its own thing. But also the same thing. You know... Uh, Something we're learning that we keep having to learn in America is that it is in capitalism's best interest to make sure that the participants in capitalism, a.k.a. the people who work in capitalism, are not just kept, like, fake happy, but kept really happy in a way that is fair to them and equitable to them because eventually you will burn through the amount of people a big enough amount of people and people won't be ready in time to replace them, that it's all going to fall apart in a way where it's not built, You like, you can't build back. You just, you just live in a generation of burnouts, of absolute burnout for decades. At least two decades at some point. Because, like, you'll need a level of competency for the very top of that system that won't be there until somebody's, like, maybe 20. Let's say 18 if you're lucky. And if you look at lots of millennials and people my age, that's largely what happened to us. We we burned the fuck out. Because... uh, Corporations and companies were set up 
to, like, convince us that, like, everything is happy-go-lucky, everything is fine, but we ended up graduating, like, training and college, like, training schools and vocational schools and college in a period of time when everything was not fine, when everything was terminally fucked. And in order to make any money, in order to have any independence, we had to settle for the kinds of jobs that would normally be weeded out by the rest by the system because no one would take them. And that's what's happening in the anime industry. You or I would not take you or I as professionals, me as a creative professional, I can't say for sure about you, dear listener, would not take a job for two hundred dollars a fucking month. But the anime industry to the anime industry, right now, that table stakes. That's what you have to put up with. And they prey on people's love of the medium. So the table stakes just need to be changed for the entire industry. Or for enough of the industry, say, like, um, it can't only be 50%. It needs to be above 50%. Let's say... 60, let's say, seven, let's say 70% of all studios pay a livable wage. What that means is if Bandai, if Bandai wants to pay an animator, you know, five bucks an hour or whatever the fuck, then they have an option to be like, no, like, I love this property. I'm devoted to this property, but I'm not devoted to eating canned tuna once a day for my entire life, I'm going to go work at a place that pays me minimum 30 bucks an hour. And on that note, um, I know this is a big, weird um, Sunday edition, but I just found it interesting when I was watching Bill Maher that like, I ended up thinking about this article that I want to talk about here anyway. Um, for... The same reason, but I, I found myself reacting to, like, and not just because she's Megyn Kelly, but, like, I found myself reacting to the intention of the people making these insane worksheets for, like, eight-year-olds. As that's, like, they have the right idea, just not at the right point of production of teaching of teaching a child the question isn't like that we need to teach people that you know the result that racism is systemic the question is who should be producing the materials one of um I'll end on this but one of the most like revolutionary experiences I ever had was I went down to Montgomery, Alabama, and I saw the um, Equal Rights Initiatives um, Museum there, and then I saw the Memorial for Peace and Justice. And if, as, if you want to experience the totality of sheer fucking racism in the world... Racism in America specifically, actually, not in the world. But start to understand it in the world. And you can go there, go there. You will feel the kind of weight of 
the fact that, like, lynching is still a thing. <laughs> and it, it, as a person of color, and specifically a half-black, half-white dude, I probably, like, cried more that day than I have in certain years of my life. I was, like... It was so deeply, like, it was so deeply fucked. And when I'm looking at, you know, teachers teaching this shit, I'm, I can't stop thinking of, yeah, but these kids also get textbooks. And the textbooks talk about none of this. In many cases, they don't talk about, you know, like, why... They, they don't talk about necessarily... Some, or maybe they do, because I, I, went, I went... It was a family trip. I went with my mom, and there was, like, all kinds of stuff that I knew to be fact. That she did not know to be fact. Which means there are all kinds of stuff that, you know, kids are learning about now that I didn't learn about, but it's probably still insufficient. It's definitely still insufficient. So when you think about something like, you know, anime that's problematic towards women, for example, what we should be asking, what we should be thinking about is, well, what was this produced in the first place? How could this be be produced in the first place? One of my favorite conversations I had with my um, friend, Anton from that I know from like middle school and high school um was he he looked at me dead ass one day and goes Alex what's with Japanese people and the Nazis <laughs> and I just said to him like after they lost they I said they were the first they were the first and only country to experience not once but twice the the effects of a nuclear weapon. Which is a real big fucked up thing. And no one taught them, at, no one sat down and in the same vein that they said nuclear weapons bad, nuclear bad. Also, Nazis bad. Not cool with that either. So it, and it like stayed in the consciousness in a way where it kind of hasn't in the originator country of Germany, and now it's a weird fetish culture <laughs> because no one fixed it quick enough. And it, absolutely there are, like, Japanese people who know, like, no, Nazis are fucking assholes. But there aren't... But even they don't feel it with, like, the fervor of, like, hey, let's go punch a fucking Nazi. <laughs> they feel it, like, with the fervor of, oh, advertising sucks. Nazis suck. They're not like they're not ready to get out in the streets and like punch a Nazi in the face, the way most the way the majority of America is very clearly like we doing this. We we cold cocking Nazis now, and that's really what I'm talking about. It has to be like this stuff has to be table stakes. It has to be if you don't do this, you don't play. And on that note, 
I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday edition. Sorry it went so long. I had big thoughts about a big problem. Um, that's why I started the Sunday edition. If you like this episode, you can subscribe to me in whatever you're using to listen to the podcast right now. If you really like this episode, tell your friends. I do this every Sunday. I do a show like this where it's metatextual or um, more philosophical. On um, Thursdays, I talk about a specific show that I'm interested in and I've either watched recently or in any number of years past. Um, on, but until Thursday, I've been Alex and I will talk to you later.